The Saint of the Wilderness, also known as Brother Sheffy by Jess Carr, Chapter 18, Part 3. The summer of 1901, Robert needed no protective prohibitions other than those self-imposed. For years, he had mounted his horse from a fence or still or some other aid that prevented a strain upon his weak abdomen. Now he could not, with ease, mount his animal in any way except by being lifted into the saddle by friends or family. When he rode off in this condition, they all seemed to stand and watch in terror. He had decided they should not be subjected to apprehension on his account. He loved them too much. Now instead of riding, he would take his sheepskin out to the meadow knoll and sit under a shade tree watching Aurelius work. Sometimes Aurelius's little children would sneak up to him and playfully pull his long white beard, a trick he himself had taught them, giggling at their own ingenu ingenuity. <clears throat> he would call Boo to them, and they would feign the greatest of fright and come back for more. But there was not enough of any activity to fill the great space of the day. When dusk came, he sat upon the porch with Aurelius and talked for a time, time that seemed all too short, until moonlight descended and the crickets and catadids uh, called out the lullaby for sleep. <clears throat> Even in the softness of his bed, his mind would come alive with great flashes of light, and if he thought Aurelius was not asleep, he would call to him for an audience. Aurelius, he would say to the yawning night-shirted man, a great thought has come to me. Do you know that Jesus himself was completely dependent upon prayer for his source of strength? Well, he was, but what I'm leading up to is this. We need to pray over and over again about the same things to test our sincerity. The necessity of our request is oft times tested by repeated prayers. Haven't you ever prayed and prayed for something, Aurelius? And the more you prayed, the more fully you learned that that for which you prayed was not the thing you needed at all? Aurelius would give a patient answer, and sometimes he sat by the bed a little longer, occasionally, until Robert didn't remember seeing him leave. <clears throat> Wintertime was bad. It seemed that no matter how close Robert sat to the fire, his outer skin would get hot, but the coldness, which was bone deep, could not be reached by warmth of any kind. His joints grew cold and stiff, and the medicine for uh, rheumatism that Aurelius applied didn't help at all. It won't hurt so bad when springtime comes, Brother Sheffy, Julia Vest would say, and try to massage the hurt away. <clears throat> Aurelius would relieve his wife of the task when his time would allow, and sometimes Robert whispered the things he felt in his innermost soul. Save back some good walnut boards for me, Aurelius. The day is drawing near. But he accepted the kindness of time and felt the smile of another spring upon his up-tilted face. Neighbors and friends had plotted during the winter 
he discovered, and before the dogwood blossomed forth, they came and got him a day at a time to entertain him and make his moments brighter. <clears throat> he would chuckle if he had the strength. It now required more effort to climb into the seat of a buggy than he had once used to scale the highest ridge on his old, old itinerary. Two, who were both friend and neighbor, made the suggestion that thrilled him with a new delight. Since Aurelius did not live by the main road, why not spend an occasional day of the warm spring sitting in a rocker by the side of the traveled uh, thoroughfare? Calvin Vest, a neighbor and relative of Aurelius, offered to take him first. Brother Sheffy, it'll give you a new lease on life. You can watch the people go by and talk all day to anybody that'll stop, he said. The second neighbor, Tom Whitaker, <clears throat> took turns with the transportation. On days that ne uh, neither of the others could help him, Aurelius himself would carry him to a favorite sitting place in the community by the main roadway. Both friends, both friend and stranger, man and child, paid him friendly home homage. But one day in mid-May, a lanky young man with thick sandy hair approached him with a furtive uh, countenance and evasive hazel eyes. For a stranger, Robert thought him a poor con conversationalist, and if a friend, completely devoid of brotherly warmth. Robert asked his name twice before being told, realizing that then that something was wrong. What is upon your heart, my young brother? I have lived too long not to see the shadow of shame upon the most deceptive face. I want you to forgive me for something, the man asked with great effort. I hold nothing against any man, for my sweet lord has told me to be forgiving. My eyes have long ago faded, and I do not recognize you. For what can I extend to you forgiveness? You will hate me. Hate you? Yes, hate me. Despise me. Curse me, even. And I would deserve it. God forgive me, and save my wretched soul. What, my young brother? Tell me what. I am one of the guilty who burned down the campground buildings. Oh, mercy. Oh, mercy. Robert cried, and convulsive retchings shook his body. He could not help his tears, yet there was relief in them that he could not explain. The young man moved to him and steadied his shaking shoulders. Will you give me your blessing and your forgiveness? You had it from the moment I came upon the smoldering ruins. Only then I didn't know who was to receive it. The campground will never be rebuilt, will it? No, son, the campground will never be rebuilt. I am told that a new age has eaten freely from the tree of knowledge, and that no more spirits live which need enrichment. I am told the classroom will banish hate and hypocrisy, that loneliness and need will wither in a coming intellect which promises to rise to greater heights than anything ever dreamed <clears throat> Of at the Tower of Babel, even with your forgiveness, I will never be free of it. No, but you can pray that your agony be used to some purpose. I understood you all were toughs, 
You talk like an educated man. I wasn't then. How many of you were there? Three. And I set the shed by myself. I have already forgiven you, but I want to give you a cross to take up and carry. I want you to be instrumental in saving the souls of your two companions now, no matter how long it takes. Do not promise me lightly. There was no hesitation at all. I promise. You realize, of course, that I will never know. My sweet lord's call calls to me in the faintest voice. I should ask you again to ponder what you have said. With all my heart, I promise. Robert blessed him and asked permission to pray. His rhythmic knees uh, would not allow him to leave the chair, but he bowed his head and felt another head resting against his knees. The young man got to his feet and started to leave. He turned a few steps away. Brother Sheffy, I know you understand. For the sake of my mother and father, will you not reveal? A peace that is made with God does not need the censure of man. <clears throat> Again on his birthday, this time the 82nd one, Eddie's fruit basket arrived. He could not eat from it because for weeks his stomach would intermittently take and reject whatever was offered. Nothing Dr. Blackburn gave him changed the rebellious organ that had once in the wilderness lived on wild berries and nuts for days at a time. Brother Blackburn, can't you recognize an old body with every part worn out when you see it? Robert whispered. Now if you're going to diagnose yourself, how can I bill you the full fee? You never took a dollar from me in your life, but you ought to have. <clears throat> As his condition worsened, the almost daily entourage of visitors was turned away. Only his doctor and the closest of friends sat with him, but there were times when he would need to ask even those to leave him when the pain became more than he could bear. Throughout the remainder of July and until the middle of August, his bed was not left except for his bodily functions, and he needed Aurelius even for that. It was agonizing just to sit on the side of the bed, and he sometimes cried out until he could see tears in the eyes of his beloved friend. The suffering, the suffering, Aurelius, is my final cleansing. Praise God for it. Praise God. Rarely a good day would come, and then he would call upon someone to read to him verses from the Psalms, or religious poems, or a little of the correspondence that continued to arrive. You got another letter from the that widow woman in Carroll County who's been chasing you for five years. Aurelius would tease him and read into the right written lines the things Robert suspected were not there. I expect you'll you've listened to enough letters for today, but here's one more I think you will want to hear, Aurelius said once. Robert closed his eyes, but assured Aurelius that he would not go to sleep until the letter had been read. Aurelius went on. Dear Reverend Sheffy, I finally got your address from the Holston Conference, where I learned you are still enlisted as a local preacher and a conference deacon. I am told that many years ago you sat at the foot of my unmarried mother's bed in a remote hollow in Wythe County, 
and prayed for me and my family. Tradition handed down further states that you uh, took my little foot in your hand as you prayed and asked God to use me in spite of the circumstances of my birth. You asked, I believe, that God would make a preacher of me and stand uh, me in many pulpits across the land until I had brought a thousand souls into the kingdom. It is my joy to inform you that I have served churches from Tennessee to Texas, where I am now am, as you can see from the postmark, and that the sixth day of August marked the day I baptized my one thousandth convert. I am still a young man, and I must tell you I plan to work another forty years. Dear friend, you badly underestimated God's power. I think I will sleep now, Aurelius. The sleep was of a five-day duration. He learned when the coma ended. Eddie stood by his side as cloudy vision returned. He held his son's hand and squeezed it tight when the waves of pain made him conscious again that he was indeed alive. Did you hold back the good walnut boards for me, Aurelius? He asked in the faintest whisper. Did you? Yes. Mitter the corners well and polish the wood with oil until the grain shines with the testimony of God's good years. To life he clung and sent, and sent his son back home to Lynchburg. He remained conscious, but his lo he lost track of the days and hours and needed to ask Aurelius for an accounting. The last he remembered, it was August 25th, but when he woke up again, it was August 29th, and the day had just broken for the morning sun shone uh, through the, his window with such brilliance that the moots seemed as large as raindrops and danced all about the room. Uh, he was then aware of other shapes around him, but he did not try to move and see them for himself. He wondered if they could even see him, for his own hands looked as white as the satin with which Aurelius lined his caskets and the starched white counterpane of his bed seemed to blend with the skin of his arms. Aurelius, Aurelius, who is present? Brother Kelvin Vest and Tom Whitaker. Uh, Julia is here with me, and the children are sitting at her feet. Dr. Blackburn will be back after dinner. Welcome silence followed. Thoughts would hardly form in his head now. A thought would start to form and then end like a snapping icicle. After a while, his brain did clear, and he seized the strength to push up a little on one elbow. Aurelius! Aurelius! The prettiest things I have ever seen! How beautiful and bright my star is! I have got in a good way. The sweet angels! Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! So happy! So happy! Tell Eddie to praise the Lord! His burst of revelation caused a descending blackness, and and when he woke again, it was night. How long will the night be, Aurelius? It isn't night, Brother Sheffy. It is morning again. Do my friends bear with me? The same ones are here. Aurelius had, been, had seen it with morning, but no sunbeams fell across his bed. Aurelius was surely wrong. It must be night. 
and it was getting chill. Both his feet were growing numb, and his eyelids could only be opened with his fingers. Dear Aurelius, I have not done all I should have done for the sweet lord. If you haven't, Brother Sheffy, no man ever has, Aurelius whispered. You must promise me, all of you, that you will continue, continue the work. Someday, somebody, somebody must carry the load, make the people like crawling babes that know not a stranger, and grab hold of each other, tell all who love me to do that. Well, we will all do that, Aurelius said. Do you answer me, Aurelius? I can't hear you well. For a moment, he thought he heard his friend and felt his hand, but the voice faded and faded, and the touch must have been drawn away. For now, there was nothing but a creeping coldness that had reached his neck. Next time, the epilogue.